0: Psalm 94, uh, if you want to be turning there, I'm going to pray for us and for our time together, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to be talking uh, about anxiety, um, anxiety. So Psalm 94, let's pray. Father, you know what we've all uh, experienced this day, uh, this week, uh, this year of our life. Uh, sometimes there are things that uh, get on our hearts and minds and trouble us. Confuse us, we really don't know exactly what to do, when to do it. And surely Satan uh, would love to cloud our minds, confuse us, and keep us that way, but we know that your word, Lord, is uh, given, uh, that we might find direction and purpose, and that uh, this body of flesh would not control us, but we'd be controlled by your spirit. And so I pray that our hearts and minds would be open tonight to you, Lord, to your word, and you guide as we go through this uh, study and that hopefully by the time we're done, Lord, something would be different in our hearts and minds as we leave this place. Maybe we would look a little bit different uh, at what goes on in our mind. Uh, we love you, and Lord, we know that uh, apart from you tonight, nothing will be accomplished, so we pray that you just guide us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I served uh, almost 12 years in the Marine Corps. We talked about this. and. Uh, Some of you, uh, of course, watching TV and stuff, we see a lot of wars that have gone on over the last 25, 30 years. To go back to Vietnam and a lot of maimed people. Uh, In about 2010 or 11, I was in Haiti on a missions trip when the earthquake took place. We were helping some missionaries in a little clinic. And uh, over the space of about a week, we just did so many... Uh, surgeries and things like that on people that were crippled, you know, rebar, concrete had fallen they've just torn all to pieces. And now, uh, if you go to Haiti, you see people out in these very rough villages and wheelchairs and missing legs and using uh, canes and things. And so it's, it's even in our culture, you go around and you, you see veterans that have, have their limbs lost and things like that, and, and it's just their their life is not able to function the way that it used to function because of what has happened to them. And anxiety is something that, if we do not allow God to help us think right uh, about things that come into our minds, situations we deal with in life, you'll find that you will be crippled. Now, you may be walking around just like everybody else is walking around, but inside, you 're messed up there 's no stability or anything like that, and so uh, I want to kind of talk about that tonight, uh, thinking in the idea of being a crippled christian, of course that 's definitely not the picture that the scriptures give us what we 're supposed to be looking like we're we 're seeing a prize, and uh, it 's only one prize, and so we 're supposed to be running for that prize so that we 're going to get it and nobody else that 's the fervency with which we 're to run the Christian race and yet Satan, he wants to come in and and confuse us in our mind, trouble us in our spirit, and really cause us not to be able to do that, to be crippled in our uh, ability for the Lord. So turn over uh, to Psalm 94 if you're not already there. I want to read Psalm 94 all the way down through verse number 19, uh, thinking about these thoughts we just mentioned. O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongeth, O God, to whom vengeance belongeth, show thyself. Lift up thyself, thou judge of the earth. Render a reward to the proud. Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked triumph? How long shall they utter and speak hard things? And all the workers of iniquity boast themselves. They break in pieces thy people, O Lord, and afflict thine heritage. They slay the widow and the stranger and murder the fatherless. Yet they say, the Lord shall not see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. "'Understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, will you be wise? "'He that planted the ear shall he not hear? "'He that formed the eye shall he not see? "'He that chastiseth the heathen shall he not correct? "'He that teacheth man knowledge shall not he know? "'The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. "'Blessed is the man who thou chasteneth, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law, "'that thou mayest give him rest from the days of adversity?' until the pit be digged for the wicked. For the Lord will not cast off his people, neither will he forsake his inheritance. But judgment shall return unto righteousness, and all the upright in heart shall follow it. Who will rise up for me against the evildoers? Or who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity? Unless the Lord had been my help, my soul had almost dwelt in silence. When I said my foot slippeth, thy mercy, O Lord, held me up. In the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Now, in talking about this passage and anxiety, if you look, as I read, in the very first verses all the way down through verse number 7, the the psalmist is looking at the wicked, and they're prospering. He doesn't understand. He's like, all of this is going on. The wicked are prospering, uh, and it seems like God doesn't care. I mean, have you ever got that point in your life, you're going through a really tough or low time, and it's just like, where's God? Now, this this person is a believing person in Jehovah, in God. And yet he's come to the place that it seems like God blessing us and directing our lives is not happening, but all of those people that deny and reject God are actually prospering. I mean, you can actually see that In our culture, it just seems like the more wicked a person is, the greater kingdom that they build. But if you go on down in verse number eight, something happened in this person's mind to where looking on the wicked and focusing on them, there was a change. Because in verse eight, all the way down through the end, he begins to basically preach a message. It's a wake-up call, and he begins to talk about truths about God that is kind of helping him... Stabilize his mind. Okay, he said he did formed form the ear. Can, will he not hear? Does he not hear what's going on? Doesn't he see what's going on? And then he said, "Hey, my foot was slipping, but if it hadn't been the Lord that held me up, I would I would have been basically out of luck and or or out of out of sorts." And so it, there was a big change there. And the ver, the verse that we're going to actually focus on tonight is verse number nineteen. But as we think about anxiety about being a victorious or a uh, successful believer or being one that is crippled and never really able to do much because all of the trouble in our mind, we have to understand that in our mind, that's where the battle is, okay? If If you fail as a believer, it's because something doesn't click here, okay? God through His truth, is trying to change our mind about the way that we look at life, kind of like what I talked about last week, about He wants us to focus on something, and as we focus on that thing, our perspective changes, the way we live the Christian life and things like that. And so if our our perspective is wrong, like the psalmist was in those first seven verses, we're going to look at life really skewed. And we're going to really get some ideas and thoughts about God that simply are not right. And in that, we're going to be the loser, okay? We're going to be the one that struggle. Romans 7, 23, Paul said, I see a law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity into the law of sin, which is in my members. So Paul acknowledged there's this, there's this war going on right here, that that something is working against me to try to bring me into captivity, trying to lock me up, to put chains on me, as it were. And, of course, we know that's what Satan, the wicked one, wants to do. Um, In Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay? Something happened here in the psalmist's mind to where he was messed up, and then his mind changed, and he began to think right about God, and think right about what he was seeing out there. Um, That word, be renewed, means to renovate. Now, for 24-plus years, I did home improvements and renovations. And so what you do, you go in there, and you take out something that's defective, that's not working right, you tear it out, and you put something in new. And so that's when this uh, uh, Paul's telling the Ephesians, you need to tear out these thoughts about God, about uh, life, uh, take the wrong ones out and renovate your mind, put in good thoughts. And then in Romans 12, 2, one that we're probably very familiar with, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, that's just three scriptures, but we know there's a lot of scriptures in the New Testament specifically that talk about this this attack on our mind about Satan trying to get us to think wrong about ourselves. We talked a little bit about that last week, how Satan wants us to think wrong about ourselves, uh, about sin when we fail, when we fall short of what God would have for us. Uh, he wants us to think we're worthless, and God is not going to use us, and God's mad at us and all that, which is simply not biblically true. Biblically true. So we go to the Scriptures, and we find the truth, and we renovate our mind. Uh, and so whatever controls our thinking... If we think truthfully, if we think biblically, we're going to be successful. But if we allow Satan to come in and feed us a lie and we believe it, we begin to believe things that are not true, then all of a sudden our mind is confused, and as far as running the Christian race, uh, we're going to be crippled in that. So in verse number 19... It says, in the multitude of my thoughts within me, thy comforts delight my soul. Now, that word thoughts, it's cogitation, but it means disquieting thoughts. Now, sometimes when you read through the scriptures uh, and you see something like this, you you say, well, in the multitude of my thoughts. Well, that could mean good thoughts or bad thoughts if we just look at thoughts. But when you look at the word, it means disquieting thoughts, thoughts that trouble you. And so the psalmist is saying, in the multitude of all these thoughts that trouble me, God's comforts delight his soul. And so God has something for us for these disquieting thoughts. And the comforts, uh, look over to 2 second, uh, second Corinthians 7. You know, we can we can have comforts from the Word of God, but there's also uh, a ministry that that God has given to you and I to be comforters. Um, surely we have all lived enough of life to have a time to where you're really low, going through a tough time, and somebody, a friend, family member, somebody comes by your way and just speaks a word, gives you a hug, does something that just really changes your feelings or perspective on something. Now here in second Corinthians seven, verse five, Paul says for when we were coming to Macedonia our flesh had no rest, we were troubled on every side, without were fightings, within were fears. Now we get the idea that Paul, man, Paul didn't have any struggles. This guy, man, he faced everything just uh, wide open and they whipped him, he went back to work, boom, boom, boom. But if you look at some of the, the scriptures that he wrote there, there are phrases in here. He says, we were, we were despairing of life. And here he says, within us were fears. All this stuff was going on, they were being come against, and Paul was a man of flesh just like we were. And he says, outside there were frightenings, there were fightings, but inside there were fears. There were things that were, that were troubling us. Nevertheless, God that comforteth those that are cast down comforted us by the coming of Titus. So... God wants us to be comforted. He does not want us to be disquieted and our thoughts to be troubled, to be anxious. And he says, you know, God comforts us, but what he also does, he sent Titus to us and comforted us at that time. I know probably many of us, uh, you have uh, someone, coworker, friend, family member, they have the loss of a loved one or something, we go to those family nights and we just want them to know we care, we're here for you, if there's anything we can do, and after that night or two or three weeks go by, they're still on our mind, and we want to comfort them, we want to go, because there is, there is power in that, Satan is going to be, especially in those times, getting people to question, you know, why did God allow this, why is this going on, if God really loved me, I'm His child, why, why is He letting this happen, And so there is the comfort we're going to talk about from the Scriptures, but there is also comfort where God moves upon the hearts of His children to go comfort not just believers, but to comfort unbelievers as well. And this is what Paul said happens. anxiety robs us of joy there again and cripples us from being the Christians that God would have us to be. Uh, the psalmist said in Psalm 61 too, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I, I love this passage because there have been a lot of low times in my Christian life and I go to prayer and I pray this. Lord, you know my heart's overwhelmed. I'm just overwhelmed right now. I don't understand what's going on. I'm overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And the picture is there of being uh, overwhelmed is to be shrouded in darkness. That's the, the word uh, phrase that it gives you in your concordance, to be shrouded in darkness. It's just like you don't see a way out. This is not just, hey, I've had a bad day. This is being overcome with emotion and stuff. When my heart is overwhelmed, it's just, it's just so burdened down. Lord, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And that rock is Christ. And the idea of being led to a rock is not underneath the rock, but to be set up firmly on the rock where, where you're fixed. And that is, of course, the opposite of being you know, unstable in your thoughts, to be stable. And that's, that's kind of the idea that this is giving. So worry and anxiety, we'll see as we look at this, this next scripture, is actually opposite to faith. If we're going to grow as a believer, we have got to learn how to deal with these anxious and disquieting thoughts because we're never going to be able to be a very deep person of faith and strong in faith if we don't deal with this reason being. If every time a struggle or a trouble comes in our life and we get anxious and we fret and we worry, then that's not building our faith. But when we trust God and we believe His truth and we watch God continually ground us, put us on that rock, show us miraculous things as we go through these trials, you'll find that your faith is increasing more and more. And so back over in Matthew chapter 6, we'll connect kind of what we're talking about, this anxiety with faith. Um, there, again, probably a, a passage that's very familiar to most of, most of us, the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, in verse number 25, of course, Jesus is speaking. He says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap. "'Nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. "'Are ye not much better than they? "'Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? "'And why take ye thought for raiment? "'Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. "'They toil not, neither do they spin. "'And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory "'was not arrayed like one of these.' Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Now, we're reading, we have a couple more verses to read, but six different times in this passage we're reading, the word thought is used. And it's always in a troubling, anxious way, that when you look it up in your concordance, same thing, it, it never just talks about thoughts, he's saying, why are you giving anxious thoughts to what you're putting on? Why are you worried about what you eat? You know, why are you troubled about that? And yet you think about it. That's what we worry about. Oh man, gas is $5 a gallon. What are we going to do? Okay, uh, you know, oh no, you know, COVID came. What are we going to do? Oh, it looks like my job is shaky. What am I going to do? We, we worry and we're anxious. And it's just amazing how Christ is saying, listen, you know, I clothe the grass of the field. I worry about that little bird. It's not going to fall to the ground without me knowing. Why are you worrying? And then he comes here and he says, Oh, ye of little faith. We we cannot be looked at as people of strong faith when we fret and worry about all of these things. And this is what Christ is saying here. He says, Take no thought, verse 31. Uh, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where shall we be clothed? For all of these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth we have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Clothing, food, all of this, a job if you need it. All of these things will be added unto us if we seek His kingdom first. He said that. And so he, he gives us these truths. He's, he's speaking to the crowd there. He says, listen, don't worry about those things. Seek me, follow me. Do that first, and I'll take care of all these, these things. Uh, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And think about in our, in our life up until this time, how many times have you been so worried or fretting about something you can't even sleep? Sleep just runs away from you and you wrestle and toss and turn all night and it never even comes to pass. This thing that you're worrying and stressed over never even comes to pass. And we've wasted all of this time not trusting God, but allowing these circumstances to really, really trouble our life. Now, I'm definitely not preaching this because I've arrived. We're saying these things because I know what that struggle is real, okay? Okay. Just recently, I had one of these all nighters. I slept about an hour because something happened, and I was just—I could not sleep. I tossed and turned. You know, move the pillow. You do all that. It's just like, what in the world is happening here? No good- <laughs> of course, the Lord brings something this to your attention. You're like, oh Lord, I'm so sorry. You know, uh, we definitely should have gotten past that. But that's the idea. We're not to fret and worry about these things. Philippians 4:19 tells us. But my God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. not our bank account or our job. God said, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches. You know, that's, uh, He's got it all. And so it's really strange how we do, knowing Christ the way we know Him. We've experienced Him. We've walked with Him. He's answered our prayers. He speaks to us and we have communion with Him. Why in the world do we doubt? Because we're living in a chunk of flesh that loves this world, does not love God, and we're going to be fighting with the warring. One of those first verses that I read, I don't know if you caught that, he says, warring against these things in my members. You know, we, one thing I missed last week about adoption as believers, we're looking for the adoption, to wit, the redemption of our body. This old tent we're living in here now is a worldly tent. It loves the things of this world and we're going to fight against it as long as we live. And a lot of the worry and the fret comes uh, from this flesh. Romans eight thirty two. This is one that is, that is really heavy when you're thinking about anxiety. He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I mean... If God took his very best treasure and gives that to you, why would he not give you the lesser treasures? That's what he's saying. If God didn't spare his son, he gave him to us. Why would he keep these other things from us? He wouldn't. Exactly, he wouldn't. And so, um, of course, we do see in the scriptures things are withheld. Why? Because of lack of faith, you know. Uh, according to your faith so it will be unto you so uh if we really believe this that god will supply all of our needs according to his riches in christ jesus anxiety will definitely be diminished but the other thing that it will compel us to do is to really see are we really frustrated or anxious or bothered by god not about what we need but what we like to have what we want to have you know God didn't say we'd have this big, massive house and a nice, shiny car, uh, but He said He would provide what we need, and He will always do that. Uh, We're not to be anxious, but we're to pray and believe. In Philippians 4, I didn't actually mark that one, but over in Philippians 4, uh, verse 6 and 7, it says, be careful, that word, uh, if you look in the concordance, is anxious, same word we're talking about, anxiety. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So he's saying, you pray, you, you don't let any anxious thought come, you pray and believe, give God thanks, and God will keep you. The idea there... Um, uh, in, in the old, you know, middle age times and stuff, they would build keeps in the middle of the castle. And so when, when the invading armies would come in, there was a special place, a safe place, where you could go in. It was locked up and it was to, to save all the people from those advancing. Or they could bust everything else down, but this keep was the, the strongest stronghold in the castle. And that's the idea of that word. The Lord's saying, listen, I'm going to keep your mind if you'll pray and supp- supplications, and with thanksgiving, make your request known to me, and I'll keep you. I'll give you my peace, that no matter how bad the storms are raging, it's going to be okay. You'll have that, that peace in your heart. And God is wanting to show us, in these times where we trust Him, that He is strong and He is able. Uh, a very powerful birth, verse, Second Chronicles 16, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards Him. God is going throughout the whole earth and He's looking for Christians that trust Him, that believe in Him, know that He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or even think. That's what God's doing. And when he looks at that person who's not overcome with anxiety, fears, and worrying about everything, God's going to do something in that person's life that is going to be clearly demonstrating that he's God. He's going to show up and you're just going to be like, wow. The first time I ever remember this happening in my life, I had been a Christian probably four years, maybe, yeah, right at four years, maybe a little four and a half. I was stationed at Quantico. And uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, Amber, uh, she was feeling really sick for a few days and uh, just wasn't getting better. So we took her over to the base infirmary and uh, the doctors uh, were checking her out and they came uh, running out to say, listen, we've got to get her to Bethesda right away. We think if her uh, appendix hadn't ruptured, it's, it's getting ready to, we've got to get her there. And so, I mean, immediately I was like, we've got to get the church to pray. And so we called the church that we were going to. We said, listen, you got to pray for Amber. This is what's going on. They took her in the ambulance. We are following behind them, you know, all the way up to Bethesda from Quantico, just praying. Our whole church was praying for us. They took her into surgery before we even got there. So we're sitting there in the waiting room. They bring her out. Doctor's taking I'll never forget this. Doctor's taking off his mask and he's shaking his head. I was like, what do you do when you see that doctor coming out and your daughter's been in surgery? He says, Mr. Lane... Sergeant Lane, whatever it was I was at that time, he says, I don't know how to describe this. He said, I've been doing this for 30 plus years. I've never seen this. He said, somehow your daughter's appendix ruptured, but then it's twisted and sealed against her stomach. And I was just like, praise the Lord. <laughs> he looked at me like that. I said, we've been praying for her. We've been praying for her. And of course, I was a new believer. But I was just like, wow, God did that. How does inside of the body, the, the, the appendix just twist around and seal against? Because you got people praying for him, believing that God's able to do that, and he did it. I was like, wow. A few years later after that, probably actually 15, 20, um, anxiety fears, me and a a group of uh, brothers were in Haiti. We had come out of the airport, and uh, we didn't know what was going on. Of course, they riot and do all kinds of crazy stuff down there all the time, so you really don't know when you could be in a dangerous situation. We are down there preaching a, a Bible conference, and uh, pulled out of the airport. We're in a thing called a tap-tap. It's basically a little Toyota pickup truck that they put little wood sides on, and they put a camper shell on it so people can sit in the back, and they charge them to run around town. And so we pulled out, and I mean, there's hundreds of thousands. I mean, you can't, you can't even walk. So the truck has stopped, and we're completely surrounded by Haitian people, and they start rocking the truck, and they tell telling us to go home. We didn't realize until later they thought us that we were U.N. soldiers, and the U.N. soldiers go and steal their goats, and eat them, and so they're mad. They want them out of their country, you know? And so they're shaking the truck, and they go home. Well, this friend of mine, he's, he's yelling at them, you go home. And I mean, they were getting, the truck's rocking. I'm like, it's going to flip over. This thing goes over, we're in trouble. I mean, I panicked. I was fearful. I was, I was really thinking I was going to die there, and the Spirit of God smote my heart, and I felt so ashamed because of what I'm talking about here tonight. And I bowed my head, and I was like, God, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry that I, that I doubted you. I don't know what you're doing here. If this is how you choose to glorify your name by me giving my life here on this street in Haiti, Lord, so be it. I, but I, I am sorry that I have. I, I was overcome with shame because of that. And all of a sudden, I looked out through the little cab. Our, the, the senior pastor was up in the cab. And this little Haitian guy, smaller than me, he was a small guy, and he looked at the driver and he tapped his chest, he put his hands out that and he just started walking backwards. And as he walked backwards, the people just started getting out of the way. And we drove about 100 yards through that crowd and got right out to where the, the crowd was dispersing. And that little Haitian guy, he did just like this and he disappeared into the crowd. He said, Brother Kerry, what was that? I don't know, I think it was a Haitian angel. But the amazing thing to me was even when I was, I mean, crippled, I was crippled with fear. I mean, I really thought I was going to die. This was was not a situation that they were just saying, oh, get out of our country. They were screaming, they were rocking the truck, and there was nowhere for us to go. Was I of faith? No, not at first. But after God humbled me and I prayed, God still showed himself strong in response to faith. Lord, you are our only hope here. And so we've got to understand that we're going to, we're going to fail miserably. That I'm not proud to say that. I'm just saying, even in my anxiety, and when I didn't respond the way I should have, but I got it right with God, God still showed up. That's what He wants to do. He wants to come on the scene and show himself strong in our lives. Now, this anxiety thing, it's not just something that you and I as believers are facing. In 2015, billion is estimated of being spent for anxiety and depression. And different reports that I've read recently since COVID, especially in the teenage years, the the suicide rate has just gone out the roof with teenagers through COVID. They just couldn't deal with not having the social interaction. And so the more and more we get away from God, the more and more the world becomes just anti-Christ and anti-God, you're going to see anxiety not even just escalated in the world, it's going to be in us as well. Because it just seems like all the foundations are crumbling you know, what are we going to do? You know, kind of like Chicken Little, you know, you're around, the sky is falling I mean, I hear this even at times from believers. Oh no, what's going to happen? Well, we know what's going to happen it's going to get worse and worse and worse and then Jesus is coming and he's going to straighten it all out. And so we just needed—we need to take faith in it and say, "Well, what if I? What if I lose my life? What if I lose my family? Well, it may happen. It may happen, but our faith in Christ must must be steadfast." Now, God's word back in verse ninety-four, uh, Psalm ninety-four nineteen, it talked about your comforts delight my soul. In Romans fifteen four, Paul says, "For whatsoever things were written aforetime, that means." Whatever was written before, all the Old Testament Scriptures, some of the New Testament Scriptures, the teachings of Jesus, he said, whatever was written before were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now, I don't know if you get that, but that's powerful. Paul is saying, listen, God has written something down for you and I to have that will help us to be patient and comfort us and give us hope. That is the exact opposite of anxiety. Anxiety comes when we get to get hopeless. What am I going to do if I lose my job? What am I going to do if I get cancer? Oh, no, what is it going to... It, it, it is a total opposite of what Paul says right here is that God gave us the Scriptures for. He's given them to us that we can read them, that to help us to be patient, not anxious, comfort us, and give us hope. And so we don't want to be hopeless, and so we've got to take the comforts from... The Word of God. Now, another psalm that's really kind of, I think, very powerful in this sense of uh, not being anxious and having the right perspective is Psalm 73. Turn right over there, if you would, uh, with me. Psalm 73. Now watch the transition that we've already been talking about from Psalm 94. He says, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are a clean heart. Good statement. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not troubled as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouths against the heaven. Their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, His people return hither, and waters of full cups are wrung out to them. And they say, How does God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold... These are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought on this, it was too painful for me. So get the picture. This guy says... Surely God's good to Israel. It's almost like us, you know, we've come in, we've had a rotten week. And somebody says, how you doing, brother? Oh, I'm good. Everything's good. And, you know, praise God, everything's good. But inside, we began to, if we really could kind of share what was going on, we said, listen, I'm slipping. I'm envious of the wicked. I don't understand. The wicked are prospering, all this. I mean, his whole perspective is, towards the end of this verse, I wished I'd never been saved. That's what he said. I have cleansed my hands in innocency. Why have I chosen... To follow God when the wicked are prospering and all their things, and here I am being chastened and punished, and it just seems life is so hard, and I'm following God, and they're not, and they're doing so great. Isn't it interesting how most young people want to be a movie star or a singer or get rich? They don't follow the news. I mean, these are going through divorce after divorce. You know, this crazy trial that's going on now with these two movie stars. And I mean, you're just talking about misery. But yet, when we look at, hey, man, that guy's got a billion dollars. Man, you know what I could do with a billion dollars? Yeah, be miserable just like they are. You know, be empty just like they are. And this is what the psalmist is saying. Man, what's going on over there? And sometimes we as Christians, if we're not careful we'll begin to think silly stuff like that, wrong stuff like that. I've been serving God all these years, and look, what do I have to show for it? (laughs) Eternal life, you know, uh, missing hell, uh, being with Christ, enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit and God uh, in that way. But something happens. In verse 17, he says, "...all of this was too painful for me to think about. I wish I'd never been saved until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood therein. He went to the sanctuary of God. He heard something. The scriptures were being read there. That happened at the temple, happened at the, uh, uh, in, in churches. So we hear something and we are reminded, hey, listen, we know where they're headed. And we don't want to head that way. He says, Surely thou that set them in slippery places, thou cast them into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment they are utterly, utterly consumed with terrors? As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. When, when we go to the Word, if we're really seeking God in our anxious times, we will be convicted. That's what he's saying. My heart's pricked. I'm grieved. God's dealing with me over this wrong thinking that I had going on. He said, nevertheless, I'm continually with thee. Thou hast hold me by thy right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Do you see the total transformation of his thinking? He was thinking all wrong. Then he went into the sanctuary of the Lord. He heard something, and his whole perspective on life changed when he he began to think on God and God's truth. He says, "Whom I have in heaven, but thee, there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion for ever, ever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all Thy works." Wow, one psalm and a total transformation. From being anxious and distressed and all confused in his mind, to believing this thing, I'm trusting in God. He alone is my portion. I, I, that's what we have to do. And and it's interesting. If you don't have a regular time in the Word of God, Satan will really use that to confuse you about what truth is. It's very important to flood your mind with truth. So when these lies of the devil come in, you'll be ready to confront him, to attack him. The help for the troubled mind is in the strength of God's truth. Psalm 119, verse 28, the psalmist said, My soul melts, means to drop or to stew for heaviness. And then he asked God, Strengthen thou me according to thy word. We need to be under the word, and we need to be in the word. You need to be under the Word because God has gifted men to be able to teach and to preach the Word of God. But you need to be in the Word because 1 John 2.27 says, We don't need any man to teach us. We've been given an anointing, which is the Holy Spirit of God, that will teach us and guide us into truth. So God has men that were to be under learning, but He also has the Spirit of God that wants to teach us and guide us into truth as well. 2 Corinthians 10.4 For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that's what we have to do. We have to take these wrong thoughts about God. When you read what the psalmist was saying in the beginning of chapter 94 and in chapter 73 they were all confused it was not at all the way god's word teaches we're to be looking at life but when he got his perspective right in the latter parts of both of those chapters he began to think the way god would have him to think and in both of these passages in corinthians that i read earlier in the in the message and then here both of those passages use captivity and if you've ever been really dealing with anxiety you know you feel like you are closed in in a cell you feel like you're just wrapped up and just, you just can't seem to get out of the fog. And, and that's what he's trying to tell us. The only way out is to bring those stacks captive to the obedience of Christ. As a new Christian, I went on deployments. When I got saved as in the Marine Corps and immediately was going out on deployments. I had a chaplain give me one of those little Gideon Bibles that had in the back all those little things. If you're dealing with this, read these verses. If you are dealing with this, read these And they helped me so much as a young Christian to establish my mind. What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about that? Of course, now, you know, I don't have that little Bible, but I've got a big Bible that has all of the things that pertain to life and Godliness. And I need to fill my mind with these things so when those anxious thoughts, those troubling, disquieting thoughts come in, I will have ammunition to stand against it and I will not be a prisoner of war To Satan, I'm not going to let him bring me captive uh, in my mind. And so anxiety, fretting, fear, it cripples us. And we cannot allow these wrong thoughts to destroy us, but they will. In the mind, uh, if you've ever done any type of counseling or dealt with people, you're going to run into somebody that has thought about killing themselves, taking their life. They get to a place of hopelessness where they don't see tomorrow getting any better than today is. And in that state of just losing all hope to where it's only going to get worse tomorrow and the next day and the next day, and they do something and they end their life. Satan has got a huge victory there. But not just in the life of the unbeliever, for you and I. Satan would love nothing more than to get in your mind, confuse you about God, about what you're doing with your life, and to cause you to get out of church, to just fall out. And I promise you, when you go from a place of being close to God and in His truth, and you go away, in the Scriptures, the, old, the picture is always down. You're always going down. You're always going to a worser place than you are. And so, don't allow Satan to do that in your mind. Last thing I want to kind of wrap up with, This is a prayer that I pray a lot. If you're dealing with anxiety, this is one that that is really good, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. The psalmist says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. What do you think probably the the definition for that word in the concordance is for thoughts? Disquieting, worrisome, troublesome thoughts. Look, Look these words up. It's interesting that most of the time that this word is used throughout the scriptures, that's it's it's not in a good thought; it's in troubling, you know, uh, anxious thoughts. And so he says, "Lord, well, try me, show me, know my thoughts, see if there is any wicked, any painful, or grieving way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting." There again, the kind of the thing to think about is when we allow wrong thinking in our mind. It is painful and grieving to us. It is destructive to us. And will come to the place that we're not walking in the way, the everlasting way. And so it's very important that we begin to learn. Whatever you're dealing with, all of our, the things that we worry about are different. Now, all of us in here, in a, maybe a large category, we say, well, it's about money or this or that and the other. But the reality is the way we deal with some of these anxious thoughts and the things that plague us or plague you may not plague me. But but the reality is anxious thoughts in us will do the same thing no matter if they're different or not. They're always going to be negative, and they're going to lead us away from God and away from truth and cause us to be not walking in faith, not walking in trust in Christ, but to be allowing ourselves to more and more trust in our flesh and fall away from God. And surely, surely we don't want that to happen. So my prayer for you tonight, if you're dealing with something that's really just got you down, that's just closing you in... First of all, get along, along with God and ask Him, say, Lord, forgive me for this. I'm not trusting you. Will, you. will you forgive me? Will you help me, Lord? Lead me. And you'll be amazed as you begin to read the Word of God how verses just seem to come alive about things that you're dealing with. It's all through the truth. It's just God wants to show it to your eyes. And when you have a heart that desires to get out of that anxiety, to get out of those disquieting thoughts, God will lead you in that way everlasting. And He's going to do it by His Spirit and his word. Amen.